Hi, this is Suzanne Summers, and you're listening to Hollywood Raw Podcast. These two guys are so great. And they had me tell you things that I never thought I'd tell anybody. You better listen. Hey everybody, it's Tony Robbins. Hey guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening to and watching Hollywood Raw. This is the Hollywood Raw podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glynn. The podcast humanizing Hollywood. From celebrities to media moguls, even paparazzi and bodyguards have come to break news, break their silence, or just have a great conversation on Hollywood Raw. If they're on Hollywood Raw, there's a reason. From page six to TMZ, Daily Mail, and People Magazine, everyone is talking about the Hollywood Raw podcast with Dax Holt and Adam Glenn. So our guest today is an actress, an author, a businesswoman, as the queen of infomercials who has had a role in Three's Company, Step by Step, made products like the Thighmaster, insanely popular, the one, the only Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Thanks for joining us. Well, Suzanne, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's uh, it's an exciting to talk to a legend, you know, and you are a legend. I, a legend. I say that respectively because you've had this amazing career in Hollywood. And I have so much I want to ask you because your career, you've been very honest about it in your books that have done insanely well. You've, you've spoken about some of these subjects, but I just want to bring that up because I'm so curious about them. But first, you so wait. I got. I got. I got to tell her right now. Adam and I have interviewed a lot of people, Suzanne. A lot of people, and <laughs> I haven't heard the type of excitement out of Adam's voice getting ready for this <laughs> interview today. He's just like she's so interesting. She's had this amazing career. Like he's <laughs> like fanboying out, and he's trying to wow. keep it together right now. And I love it because I Thank know Adam very so well. Much. But you this know, if is you live, if you live long enough. you know what's cool about you it's like what we like to do on this podcast we always say we like to humanize hollywood and the way your career has been and the way you've been so vocal about it and honest about it we we feel for you because it's interesting and and it's inspiring because like the way you deal with and we're going to get into like your business in in the industry it's like i found it to be comforting because people use what you your your experiences in their own jobs and kind of talk about it so it's it's wild and it's fascinating. So I want to get into all that. But first, okay. you know, obviously we're talking to you. Uh, where, whereabouts, you live in California, whereabouts, not your exact street, but what area <laughs> of California do you live in? Actually, if you want to know my exact street, the tour bus here goes by and goes, that's for Suzanne Summers that they go, thanks, you know. I live Wait, in so Tom- they actually have it right though? Because I feel like notoriously LA has the wrong houses when they do the tours. In LA, down here, they're right, but then I, I, I moved, so I, I figured it out. Anyway, you know, um, uh, it's, it, I live in Palm Springs. We call it the gay 90s. You either have to be gay or 90 to live here. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a house here 45 years ago when I was uh, at the height of Three's Company, and I needed to find a place so my kids could live a normal life. We lived on Venice Beach and there were paparazzi out on the beach in the morning, probably you, and, uh, and on the street when we're leaving. And, they, and there's, I remember that movie, Less Than Zero? Sure. The, the kids of, of celebrities start thinking they're celebrities and it messes with their head. I want to tell you, because you were, a, you, you call yourself a paparazzo. I, you know, I call myself a street journalist. But people can, can call me a paparazzi and I'm not offended because I get it. that's what they think of. But yeah, that's fine. Paparazzi, paparazzo. Yeah. Well, t- I'll tell you something interesting. When I first started Three's Companies so many, 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 many years ago, I had been discovered by Johnny Carson, which I don't think many people know that. But mm-hmm. um, I met him in the commissary at NBC on Wednesday and Friday night. I was on his show because I'd written a little book of poetry called Touch Me. And I only had one credit. And the credit was the mysterious blonded Thunderbird in American Graffiti. So he didn't come on to me or anything. He just wished me luck in getting the job. I was there. And when I was booked on The Tonight Show that first time, I thought, oh, my God, they must love my poetry. But I heard Johnny say, as I'm standing behind that famous curtain, we've all been wondering who the mysterious blonde in a Thunderbird from American Graffiti was. Well, we found her. And that's how I got on The Tonight Show. And then I would go on every month and read him poems. And he had an isolated camera. And he would um, make faces and get laughs. And he liked getting laughs. And I liked getting him to get laughs. 
And my little book of poetry became the number one best-selling book of poetry in America, along with Rod McEwen. So that's, that's how it began. And when they were putting together Three's Company, they had, they'd actually had two other Chrissies and they did them, use them for pilots and neither of them tested well. And Fred Silverman, who was the- The head of ABC, right? The ABC Correct. president. Yeah. Exactly. And he said, I got the girl. I see her on the Tonight Show all the time. So that was what happened. What I'm getting back to paparazzi about is, so now the show's on and it immediately goes to number two or three and eventually is number one. Um, when I would go out to events, I would notice all the other people in my business would hate the paparazzi and stay away. And, they'd, and I didn't. I saw you as my lifeblood. I started learning your names. I would pick out the ones who are friendly towards me and pose for them. And because it's a dance that we do, I need you and you need me. And that's how the dance works. And I, had, I think it has a lot to do with this, this amazing ex escalation that I had early on. Cause I was on magazine covers and in, in the, every, there was nothing I wasn't on or in uh, for years. And it was all because of befriending the, the paparazzi. And they rarely put anything bad about me in those years. Cause I was, you know, doing the dance with them. So I just thought you'd yeah. appreciate that. It is the most refreshing conversation, Suzanne, because the amount of times Adam and I talk about this and how there is that give and take, and we don't understand why there are so many celebs out there who behind the scenes call the paparazzi, ask them to show up and then pretend that they don't want them there. And we're like, know. We, don't, we don't get it. Like you are, you're talented, but to stay relevant a lot of times in between movies or in between yeah. TV shows, the between firings. <laughs> yeah, in between firings, the paparazzi will keep these people relevant Ooh. and on the covers of magazines. And so yeah. it's, it's bewildering when it's like, we don't like the paps. I don't get it. So it's really nice to hear you say so that. So nice. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I appreciate you so much. For, I appreciate what you said so much because it means a lot. I I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I still do it. And I see my videos and, you know, I get the comments on YouTube, you know, you're paparazzi, you're an idiot, you're a creep. But, you know, we are a big part of show business. It's part totally, of and totally. glamour. And people like you were the people that get it, but also use it to your advantage. And, you know, again, some of the biggest stars in the world see it like how you saw it and look what it did for you. You know, you, yeah. you're very good. And I have to say, I've actually put a camera on you once. Cause you, again, I'm based in New York city and you, it was a good day in New York. You're with your husband, but you were so sweet and you're so nice and you're so good to the fans. And now hearing you say that, I'm like, Oh, now I see how you appreciate that, but also how you get it. You, you know, like you understand that part of the, you understand the business and yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, living in Malibu, which is where I also live, TMZ's there a lot. I, hey, hi, <laughs> it, it works, yeah. it works. I do remember um, uh, early on, I had done these test pictures for Playboy. Uh, it's a long story. My, I, my son had been run over by a car and I needed money for doctor's bills and all that. And I was on a, a, a photo shoot in Mexico and the guy said, I, I, I take pictures for Playboy. And you know, if you were chosen, you could get 15,000. And that's exactly what I owed in medical bills. So I took the test pictures, but then I got the series and I, when they wanted to publish them, I said, no, it would be a really bad thing for me to do. Well, they published them anyway. And I think even that kind of worked in my favor, but I'm walking down Fifth Avenue in New York and a truck driver goes by and he goes, hey, Susie, nice tits. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, well, you just take it all. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so funny. No, I, I think there's a lot of people that look back at, you know, a moment in their career where maybe at that time it wasn't a shining moment. And then later on you piece it together and go, no, that one moment caused yeah. so much more of my trajectory yeah. and, you know, something else to happen in my life to success. I mean, I, I, I got to think about that. That probably happens with a lot of celebs. Is there any other moments that you look back on, maybe even the way that you departed Three's Company and how that moment may have been brutal at the moment? However, your name was everywhere and everyone's been talking about you since. And, um, that was a, that was a, a real low point because here I was the number one show, 
the highest demographics of any woman in television and my contract was up. So my husband went in to renegotiate, but right before me, Laverne and Shirley had renegotiated and they gave ABC a colonic. And so they said, we got to put a, an end to these women thinking they could be paid this kind of money. So um, all I was asking was to be made commensurate with the men who were all making 10 to 15 times more than me. When my husband walked in, uh, they were already prepared to fire me. They decided I would be the sacrificial lamb. So he came home that day. It, it, imagine there were no cell phones at that time. It wasn't that long ago. So I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And there's a way the front door opens when it's good news. And there's a way it opens when it's bad news. And I lived in a multi-level beach house. And I hear it open like real slow. And I hear him padding up the stairs. So I met him at the landing. He goes, you're out. I said, out? It was a negotiation. You asked for this, they counter, you asked counter here. We meet in the middle. He said, they, they were planning on firing you. When I walked in the door, I could feel it. He took me by the shoulders and he said, we're gonna make this work for us. He said, we're not gonna work for anyone ever again, unless we don't need it. And, um, and that was the way it began. The first, the first thing was the thigh master. And that started by buying a pair of almost $600 Manolo Blahnik shoes that were just nude with a pointy toe and a high heel and great toe cleavage. And I'm standing in my dressing room in my bra and underpants and I put on the shoes and I thought, oh, Alan's gonna think I'm so stupid for spending so much money on shoes. So I walked out in my bra and underpants and I said, like my shoes. <laughs> and he said, great legs and that radio voice he has. And that became the commercial started on those shoes which I was able to write off and then the camera worked up my leg and we stopped counting after selling 10 million of them and now we're entrepreneurs now we realize the value of what three's company really was for me everybody knew my name not only in this country but in many parts of the world and that was that that was like that's that's worth more than you can express and so um, that's been the way I've reinvented all along. You know, we always learn our careers are high and low and high and low. You don't learn anything when you're high because it's all good. And you're having fun and you're busy working when you're low. Most people get despondent and give up. I found the low parts are when you can really think it through. Where could I go next? And never did I imagine that I would write 27 books, 14 New York times bestsellers, um, Oh, I just lost you. There you oh, are. there you are. There you are. And um, uh, being a spokeswoman for women, uh, turning on women and men to uh, hormone replacement. I don't know why, but I understand how the body works. And I used my name to get to the best and brightest. So I called up this guy at MIT. His name is Ray Kurzweil. He's a famed futurist. In fact, Bill, Bill Gates said, Ray Kurzweil is the smartest man on the planet. So how do you get to him? I call him MIT. Uh, may I speak to Ray Kurzweil? Who's calling? Suzanne Summers. I got, you know, uh, junketed along. And all of a sudden, Mr. Kurzweil's office. Yes, it's Suzanne Summers for Ray Kurzweil. What is this uh, concerning? I said, I'd like to speak to him about being the most fascinating man on the planet. Mm -hmm. Hi, Suzanne. <laughs> and I, through him, I learned, he's the first one who talked about artificial intelligence. He's the first one who talked about nanobots and, and, uh, and where artificial intelligence could be going, which is kind of scary right now. I read those books that Elon Musk said you should read about AI. And um, I'm very curious and I, I'm, I like the way I'm aging. I, I've embraced aging. I write, I have a book. I'll shamelessly plug called A New Way to Age. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me when I wrote this book this year that aging is about worn out parts. And if you had a Maserati, you would never put inferior fuel into your Maserati. And anytime you heard a little clink or a dunk or something, you'd bring it to the mechanic. And yet we don't do that with our own bodies. And we put just crap in our bodies, not high quality fuel. And so, um, that's opened a whole new arena for me, which makes my age 
be my asset because you can't lie about your age anymore. While you're looking at me, you could be Googling how old is Suzanne Summers and probably, <laughs> probably already did. <laughs> did well, you? Did you? Well, we did oh, for the course. interview, we, though. That was yeah. just research, pure research, because <laughs> I literally was telling Anna, I'm like, I don't understand how this woman doesn't age. Like, it doesn't make sense. But I do know that all of your businesses have like kind of like flowed into one another. What I wanted to ask you, because you brought up the Thighmaster. Is that a product that is still for sale out there? Like, do you oh, still yeah. sell them? Yeah, Thighmaster really? and the Buttmaster. And I use the Thighmaster every day of my life. I do 50 in the morning, 50 mid-afternoon, and 50 while I'm lying in bed at night. And I could crack walnuts with my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I see, love that. If you, um, you don't have to put a lot into, a lot of energy into aging well. I feed myself perfectly. It's all organic. Uh, I don't eat a lot of sugar. Every once in a while, ice cream, I can't resist. Um, I have one tequila every night. It's a stiff one at five o'clock. I love it. It's my date with my husband. I love it. And I drink tear, clear tequila because there's little to no sugar. So I don't gain any weight from it. And by putting back the hormones I've lost in the aging process by lab work, you know, what I need is different from the next person needs. Um, I'm aging different than... Uh, people my age, I, you, you wrinkle less, you keep your sex drive. If you, if you're hormonally balanced, um, you can sleep. Most women my age can't sleep. Uh, you're in a good mood all the time because everything's balanced. You know, the body wants balance and it wants alignment. And then every Tuesday I uh, take, tell my husband, okay, lie down. And I take the injection of testosterone, pull his pants down and give him a shot in the side of his hip. And um, Wednesday, don't call us. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, your guys are so yeah. It's he obviously. It's still at your age at his age because of the testosterone. Uh, yeah. you guys are still sexually active per se. Yeah, from that. Well, you know, to every uh, uh, men don't like to go near the the uh, co uh, concept of testosterone because it feels like maybe you're having difficulty with what's most important. That's the last thing to go. It's testosterone builds a uh, bone and muscle. Uh, the, the heart has more testosterone receptor sites than any other muscle in the body. That's your pumping power. So if you start declining in testosterone, your heart starts declining. Now think of older men, they run out of gas and that's because their hearts working slow and so hard. And um, so I lecture about all of this, which is a career I never thought I would have. Uh, that I really like, you know, we, I lectured in Toronto before the pandemic, everything is B, uh, BP or AP. And um, we're driving to the center in the middle of Toronto. I can't remember what it, I think it's the Taylor center, big, big arena. Um, and I was expecting, you know, a few hundred to a thousand people. Uh, but I saw all these women arm in arm walking towards the arena and I wondered what else was going on there. When I walked out, there were 9,000 people. That means people are starving for clarification for something that the doctors never studied in medical school. They didn't teach it. Yeah. So here I am in a new arena. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I have the ability to get to the best and the brightest. And I've used my fame for the better good for me and for the better good for all no, who are here. You've been, I, I, I commend you because you talk the talk. You know, you've been very active about this before it was trendy, before it was cool, before it was on social media. You've been pushing that, you know, through yeah. your through your network. And it's been, obviously the Thighmaster was revolutionary as a product, obviously as a business technique, the sales of it, because you were, big in the infomercial when those were very, very big. Um, when it comes to, so do you do stem cells? Is it stem cell pretty much what you're doing or are you doing stem cells? Well, I had breast cancer 25 years ago and um, I didn't have any reconstruction. And, um, and then in, I think, what book was it? I think that when I wrote the book, Knockout, Doctors Who Were Curing Cancer Without Drugs, I heard about taking your own, banking your own stem cells, not yeah. taking umbilical cord or anybody. I don't, I don't know enough about what's going on in Panama and everything yet to feel comfortable with that. But probably I, I just recently heard Mel Gibson uh, talk about his father. He took him to Panama and his 
father's, you know, like come back to life at 92. But they took my some fat from my stomach, woohoo, and injected my stem cells in it, then took my breast that had had part of it removed and pumped that in there with my stem cells and it took and I regrew my breast. It's just a remarkable thing. And so the doctor that I did this with, um, we were then invited on Dr. Oz's show and he did an avatar because I didn't want them to show my naked body in, in surgery, but he did this amazing avatar and um, you could see exactly what they did and how they injected it. So there's a lot of new stuff happening. And um, I find, I, I thought when I, I'm 75 and I thought when I was 75, I'd be old, but I'm not, I'm chronologically old, but I'm not old. And in, if anything, my brain is working better than it ever has. And it's exciting about like, wow, where's it gonna take me next? It's, it's uh, thank you, Johnny Carson. Yeah. Thank you, The Tonight Show. Thank you, Paparazzi. Thank, <laughs> I, I, I see everything as an opportunity, even being fired uh, from that show, which was so devastating. And they, people always say, oh, when you left the show, I just go, I did not leave the show. I was asked to leave, there's a difference. Uh, I make no money, no residuals. When you see all the residuals, what is it on? Not Hulu, it's the Wait other one. Wait a second, one. you don't make any Nothing. residuals from Three's Nothing. company? How, how is that even possible? That's why I was renegotiating. I, 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 my contract, I was so naive when I signed on that, okay, I'll, you don't even have to pay me. But by year six, when we, you know, I'd been on every year, at least 55 national magazine covers featured on 60 Minutes, Barbara Walters, 2020, all the big shows. Um, I, I, I uh, earned my status and that was part of the negotiation. I want to be paid for residuals. I want to be paid in perpetuity as long as you're using and I want to be paid a salary each week, a commensurate with the men. So I got nothing. You know what, I'm not, I'm okay. I don't want, I watch the Three's Company reruns and I laugh, I think she's darling. I, I, I think she, I played the greatest dumb blonde because she didn't irritate you. You just yeah. wanted, to take, you wanted to take care of her. And I thought about that a lot. I thought, wow, how do I make her likable and lovable? I gave her a moral code. We, the audience started knowing what she would do and what she wouldn't do. And that's when you own an audience. When they laugh before you do it as a comedian, wow, that's like gold. You feel, ah, got him. Uh, so I look at it and I think, I needed Three's Company to be the, 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 the main stepping stone to everything that I'm doing today. So I don't mm -hmm. resent anybody or I don't have anger. I, I, I think I it's just more, that. I think it's more shocking. And I think it says a lot about the industry as a whole yeah. of yeah. taking advantage of a young woman coming into the industry and yeah. how far we can push her and use her and then spit her out. And yes. yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you just like all these other actresses and actors on TV should be getting residuals because your face is your showing up to this day still on TV. Do you feel yeah. your success post Three's Company with Thighmaster and books? Do you feel like that is the biggest kind of F you back to them? Like, look, I didn't actually need you. Thank you for my springboard, <laughs> but I didn't need you. I, I needed the show. I needed the fame I garnered from that show. I needed to create that character that made people miss her. Yeah. Because people still say to me today, oh, I, I never watched it after you left. And oh, I always missed you. And when I started uh, performing in uh, nightclubs in Vegas, I would bring Chrissy Snow to life on stage. And at one point, the Three's Company um, producers, such small-minded they they sent a cease and desist that wasn't allowed to do their character on stage and that's when i said fuck you <laughs> uh and i did it every night and when i'd bring her to life and we had this song and in front of them i put the two ponytails and i you know change the posture and turn into her the audience you'd hear audible oh oh like that so um she was important to me. I talked about her like she's a person, but actually she kind of was over there. <laughs> she was a person. Yeah, yeah. everyone related to her. So she was a person in, not, in a lot of people's mind. You know, I grew up, I wrote uh, three books about being a child of an alcoholic. I had a, a violent alcoholic father. We spent, 
uh, many, many, many nights hiding a, in a locked closet where, um, you know, you grow up like that and you think it's normal. And my father used to have this mantra, see, alcoholics are bullies and they've got to bully you so that you'll stay with them because if you leave them, they, they won't be able to survive. So he used to say to me, you're stupid, you're hopeless, you're worthless, you're nothing, you're a big O and he'd put his finger like that. And it was said to me so many times that I bought it, that I just thought I was stupid and hopeless and worthless. When my son was run over by a car at five years old, I was a single, uh, I, I had him when I was 18. Um, awful, awful. I, 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 I felt so guilty and I let him play on that scooter board in the driveway and I shouldn't have and everything. He had terrible nightmares after he finally recovered. And he'd wake up in the middle of the night crying and shaking, reliving the accident. So I took him to the community mental health center where they charge you according to your ability to pay. And after a year, she said to me, he's fine now. He's not having the nightmares. You've been a good mother. I needed to hear that. And she said, he doesn't need to come anymore, but you, I'd like you to stay. <laughs> I said, me, why? She said, you have the lowest self-esteem of anyone I've ever met. She said, do you realize you apologize when you walk in for who you are, what you are, what you look like? When did you get the feeling you were worth so little? She asked me that question for three years until one day when she said, when did you get the feeling you were worth so little? I said, I don't know. I just always thought I was stupid and hopeless and worthless and nothing and a big O. And she said, who told you that? And at that moment, I pieced it all together that it wasn't my fault and that I wasn't stupid and hopeless. And that's when my life really began. I left her office realizing that um, I, I had so much that had been wiped away by somebody else imposing uh, that on me. So one of the great things about being a child of an alcoholic was I didn't drink alcoholically. My brother did. My younger brother died of it. My sister uh, was an alcoholic. They've all been, my sister and brother have been recovering for about 40 years now. Um, I wrote that book, Keeping Secrets, New York Times bestseller, 16 weeks, became a movie. I, uh, my father allowed me to write it. He was sober then after 50 years. And uh, he apologized to me. You know, there's nothing more healing, nothing in any walk of life than a true heartfelt apology. And I forgave him. I have not one bad feeling left. And I try to live my life uh, just in gratitude, just thinking the good things and having my cocktail every night at five o'clock. And I have a bit of a body sense of humor and, and I love my husband. I love my life and I love my work. There's, there's a lot to be said about just forgiveness in general. And once you forgive people and you don't have that weighing down on you, you're like yeah, it's live that it's free life. Yeah, it's a gift you give yourself. I, uh, the pandemic, so, so the accident worked for us, for both of us, because mm -hmm. he loved his therapy. The, my father worked for me. I, I, I became uh, tough, toughened up by him and I got what I call the all show use. And um, being fired helped me. Um, this pandemic even worked in my favor because we couldn't work, could we? And I figured out, uh, my husband and I, we were a team, a real team. We started doing these Facebook live Instagram shows three times a week. Now I have 25 million books in print around the world. I have people that come to those shows from all over this country, all over the world. And the lure is nobody likes to drink alone, but if you could have a tequila with Suzanne and Alan, that's kind of fun. So we all give a toast to the tequila. And um, it's amazing. I don't have my own brand of tequila, but everybody's was already into that. Um, and I talk about all my organic products and, and, uh, hormones and things that like what we're talking about now. Um, my husband is behind the camera and he's the bad boy. And, um, he, uh, they, they love our relationship. They'd love to have their own kind of relationship like that. So you find new things to sell as you move along and who, who would have thought? And, and then I listened to them. And what I kept hearing was, oh, I'm so bloated. 
I'm constipated. I've got gas all the time. I'm dub tired. My hair is stringy. I don't feel like sex. And so what I realized, they all have gut problems. And I just happened to have written this book called Toxic about what chemicals have done to our bodies and in particular, our guts. And our, our, our GI tract is the length of a tennis court. And around that barrier wall is mucus and that's your immune system. I mean, it's real simple, but none of, nobody ever explains it in simple terms. So when you put chemicals on your skin, when you eat chemicals, you know, they spray poison on our food, who thought that was a good idea, or household cleaning products that are uh, poisonous, it gets in your GI tract, eats through that barrier wall and that mucus, which is your immune system. So now you've degraded your immune system and now you've got leaky gut and it leaks out into your bloodstream and goes on a wild rampage to your um, major organs and glands, the brain being the one they want the most. And so the, the more chemicals you take in, the more it gets in the brain and the hypothalamus and the pituitary have to shrink. And then the more chemicals get in from your you know, McDonald's dinner and, and the hypothalamus shrinks some more. I envision the brain up there going, there's hardly any room left up here for me. And um, uh, this, we came up with a product, I bet you're surprised, called Gut Renew. It is, I know, I'm not shameless. I'm shameless. I'm so it's sorry. Not, but this we got the infomercial, infomercial going. I love it. I didn't even I know. know how bad this podcast turned to an infomercial. It's like, oh my God. I was just like, what is happening? I won't, I won't hold up very long, but I have to tell you that that stuff is so successful. We're ordering it in lots of 70 tons at a time. Jeez. So that's all I'll say. I won't, the, the people watching this will go, I have a bad gut. Maybe they'll get it too. Hey, Suzanne, you, you mentioned Alan and how you guys were doing these live streams and talking about life huh. and sex and all that kinds. Does Alan, your husband, ever look at you and go, Suzanne, you're oversharing. Please stop talking about our sex <laughs> life to a bunch of people that, that you do not know. <laughs> Never. He's worse than me. You know, I, when you tell people the truth, it's mesmerizing. And now that I'm not uh, I'm doing shows like yours, where there's more freedom to talk about things that standards and practices wouldn't let you talk about on uh, mm -hmm. network TV. I love this form. I, I've been asked to go back on TV several times and it doesn't, nothing so far that's been presented to me intrigues me. I'm liking this one-on-one. -on -one. I like talking to you and I like, I like talking to both of you. And, um, you know, I don't talk about sex for the sake of, you know, and then he does this and then I do that. It's not that. What I talk about is that I'm not expected to have a sex drive at this age, nor is he. And yet, because we're both juiced up on hormones, you're in the mood, just like when you're young. It's, it's kind of, it's like getting something back. And that's what I pass on, not the specifics. Believe me, I'm not into, you know, last night I hung okay, from but a Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> maybe he doesn't. But does, does your son go, oh, God, guys, not again. Yes, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, my son's going, oh, my mother. <laughs> yeah. Because I can see your husband's like, all right, high five. Let's do this. And then yeah. your son's like, oh, my God, mom, please. <laughs> but I, I got to ask you, and this sounds just crazy and ridiculous, but like you've been doing this for a while as you got older, how do you make it more interesting? Because yes, okay, you're all, you got the hormones in you, you're having <laughs> sex, but how do you still make it mentally exciting? Like, what do you guys do? Think about your most active time in your life. Maybe it's right now. Um, you're all, always in the mood, weren't you? Because the, the juice was flowing. And what I'm doing is putting the, I call them the juice of youth, hormones, putting the juice back. So I'm kind of, uh, hormonally where I was at my most active. So it's not like thinking up different positions or anything. And I'm really in love with him. And so it's either lovemaking or let's just have some raucous fun tonight. Like, is and it kinky or like, are you guys? No, no, I, no. We've been together 54 years. He's looking over at me like, no. Go oh, <laughs> yeah. When what I did uh, the devil suit, when I, <laughs> <laughs> When I was doing step-by-step, step, the writers were always really step-by-step step was about Patrick W. Frank and me, Carol, uh, trying to, yeah, trying to get laid. And so they would set up these uh, weekends for Frank and Carol 
and they'd have him dress up in a devil suit and me in a nurse's outfit. And I said to them, <laughs> people don't do this. It's too much work. <laughs> but um, I, it, it's great to be alive while you're alive. Yeah. That's essentially what I'm saying. I get it. That's cool. I, yeah. I love I, I love the honesty, Suzanne. Honestly, I, I like you had mentioned, I think there's a lot people gravitate towards honesty. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the more in depth and stuff that you're giving details about to people, it, it makes you even more likable. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. Yeah. Human, yeah. likable. And I think that's why people have gravitated for so long. You know what I'm saying? Like they yeah. you've had fans your whole life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people that can come and go from being uh, in the spotlight. And Dex, and not I, also I, just fans, by the way. People like they they're still you're still their crush. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but go on, Isn't Dex, that wonderful? I love that. <laughs> no, yeah, I, you can you can yeah I, you know um, this whole Me Too movement everything. Um, I, I always think to women, be careful. You know, there's a dance mm-hmm. between men and women or women and women and men or men, whatever your, your like is, there's a dance. Don't take away the opportunity to dance because it's fun to catch one another's eye and uh, have a glint in your eye. It's, it's part of being human. Absolutely. Now, uh, you know, we, I, I had kind of got onto the thigh master talk. Then we, yes. we derailed a little bit. How successful has that product been? Like, because actually, like, was that, was I, that the I most feel like the thing that you've done too. It's not. No, is it? I was curious. Oh, um, well, like I said, we stopped counting after we sold 10 million of them, but they continue to sell and sell and sell. Um, it's certainly one of the most profitable. Um, this gut renew, honestly, is almost as profitable. When you're ordering things in lots of 70 tons, that's a lot, a lot, a lot of bags. Um, how much do you think the thigh master alone, though? Because you have so many businesses, but mm-hmm. how much do you think the thigh master alone ha- has put into your pocket over the last what is it, thirty years? Well, I grew up poor, and um, I live a good life. And um, what would you? Can you answer that question, Alan? He wants to know how much money we've made. <laughs> I'm just on the thigh master, not on, on everything. Master. No, I don't want to know. Everything. I'm just curious yeah. on that one product yeah. because it is so famous and so well, popular. Well, it's 19, 1995 times 10 million. So kind of do the math, you know, and, and we're probably at 15 million now. Wow. I know. I know. All because of a pair our, of Manolo Blahnik shoes. <laughs> and do you, do you own that outright? Like outright, patent, yeah. everything? We had, we had partners 50 50 and they got drunk on money when they all started selling and they they overspent to the point where they could no longer afford to be in their side of the business so we bought them out we have a hundred percent you know you know how much 1995 times 15 million is. i don't i don't did you just do it i just did it it's a lot of zeros it's <laughs> two hundred and ninety nine million two hundred and fifty thousand yeah, that but I spent a lot. <laughs> you should no, see my. I, I honestly, I commend no, you. No, I for, think it's awesome. I think it's the whole inspiring. Thing. It's... Anybody can do it. You know, you can't. People are always calling me and wanting to know. You know, how do I do this? I go. You can't decide to make money. You you have to uh, have a passion about whatever you're selling, and you have to. Um, it has to be a fit. You know, like I can't sell baseball bats, you know, but um, I wanted to keep my legs looking great for those Manolo Blahnik shoes. So there was a, a weird but kind of strange passion there. And then all the other things that we sell now, I have a passion about. I don't want to put chemicals on my skin. I don't want my brain over there shrinking. I, I, uh, I want to keep my brain. And uh, for someone who played the dumbest blonde on television, I have a really good brain. <laughs> you, yeah. you know who? You know who else has played that role pretty well? Paris Hilton. There is you a know, public I was, I was persona. She is brilliant. 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 I, was, I was. In fact, when we were talking, I was going to say like Paris Hilton. I was going to bring her up. Or, I or Jessica her. Simpson. Yeah. Well, let's go back to Paris Hilton because I know more about her. Um. I learned from her, don't go out of the house, not camera ready. And when she said that one day and I went, you know, you're right. Why let people catch you looking like crap? 
And then I watched the way she took, she re recognized what she had. She was an heiress. Now, when you're the great granddaughter and there's a lot of children in the Hilton family of Baron Hilton, by the time it trickles down to you, there's not that much, you know, she's not gonna miss a meal, but she played the heiress card and dressed the part and recognized that she's a true beauty and she has sold her beauty in a way that doesn't piss you off. She goes to a lot of work to take all these gorgeous pictures. And then she took that beauty and was a disc jockey and um, not in the way that, you know, I knew from radio, but you know, audiences of a million people and she's up there doing that thing. I think she's played this perfect and nobody could do it like her because it's true to who she is. And that's why you and I respect her because she, she honed in on, on who she was. Not, not many people know who they are. I, I just love that Suzanne Summer said she learned something from Paris Hilton. For sure. Because sure. <laughs> to I me, I feel like Paris would look at you and be like, no, I learned how to do stuff from Suzanne Summers. Well, if you ever interview her, ask her. I'd like I to will. know. We will. We will yeah. absolutely ask no, I, her. Yeah. Um, she, she'll say, that's hot. <laughs> 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 do you, what's next for you like here's the thing like you've done so much do you still want to like continue like do you if you had a pick do you want to stay in the business lane i know they both kind of go both but would, do you want to get more still like act more or what are you passionate about now dude Besides, acting pays you know, nothing compared to all of her other ventures like at that point this is that's just if she wants to do it for fun and if I want to do it for fun, if there was, some, I, had, I had one suggested, but it was um, shot down. I would do a form of three's company again, because I felt that I didn't finish that. It'd be like, um, what Chrissy Snow would now be more like Edith Bunker. And, you and, and, and pr presume that Chrissy Snow and Jack Tripper got married and they had a son. And the son was Jason Ritter. Mm -hmm. And we could bring back, Jack Tripper in hologram now. And I thought it could be a very interesting idea because Jason is talented, but he didn't want anything to do anything, anything that has to do with his father. And I thought, you know, um, you might rethink that, but he, but he was adamant about that. So that was interesting to me. I told Alan, I'm 75, as I said, I want to go back to Vegas uh, for my 80th birthday and play off and on in my in my 80s. I remember when I was working there full time that Debbie Reynolds was 80 over another hotel. And um, what's interesting about uh, performing live, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do because there's no net. And I the, the, the show I most admired was Sinatra. When I was in Vegas and he was there, I'd always try to f wiggle a night where I wasn't working, I could go see his show. I love that he walked out with a drink. I love that he just talked to us like you and I are talking. No script and then go from song to song. And so the most recent residency I had was at the Westgate, which was the Hilton. I had been at the Hilton in the 80s, uh, starring in the Moulin Rouge. And then this was my own room at the Westgate. God, I loved it. And um, I did my version of Sinatra. I had a, a seven piece band, just the coolest, seven coolest guys um and the alto sax which i love and i sang my kind of music gotta be true to yourself i'm not gonna do rap you you, you know imagine me out there going do baba do baba do baba uh, <laughs> is that your rap <laughs> yeah that's my rap so i failed already but i sang what i like to sing i flirted with the audience i talked to the audience I got, when I walked out, I got so good at feeling them. I could tell what I needed to do to bring them up. And if they were already up, how to bring them higher. I would always pull a guy out of the audience and sing to him and get him to dance with me. And it was a real crowd pleaser. And um, I, I got as close to being great at performing as I had been in the whole 20 years because it was the first time I went completely without a net, completely without, without a script. And you know where we put that act together? Sitting at our bar, uh, we have a bar in our house called Big Al's Bar. And I would sing to Alan while we're having our tequila. And I'd say, I could talk about this or that there. So it kind of had a point A to point B to go to. Best reviews I ever got. 
the reviews all said a similar thing like Vegas is back, the old kind of style of Vegas, uh, because everybody's doing those shows where they fly through the air and it's all Cirque du Soleil, which is great. Uh, it's just not me. The greatest show in Vegas right now is Lady Gaga, the greatest. She's, she Did you go is, see her? Oh, twice. And I'm going to go. You went to see Lady Gaga in Vegas? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and, and it's going to be there this month. I'm going to go again. Her tickets are like, 2500 bucks a, a piece it's just uh, but i'm gonna go because i just like do you go backstage uh, to like hang out and meet her or i anything? haven't yet I, I i if i go this time i probably will i was taken aback by her that uh so unique again someone who is true to who they are she knows who she is and when she did all that with tony bennett it brought something else out in her and now she's got two shows one where she flies through the air that's good. She's real good. But I love her jazz act. Her jazz act has balls and she has balls. I love I love thinking about you there. Are you standing up and dancing the whole time to Lady Gaga? It, or or just leaning back and just taking it all in. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, I when I'm on stage, I never ask anything of my audience. I never ask my audience to do this or stand up. Just whatever the mood takes whatever whatever Suzanne uh, who else would we be surprised that you're a big fan of um I don't know um I, I I'm gonna be honest I didn't I didn't anticipate Lady Gaga you going to see multiple shows I didn't anticipate that who else do yeah. you go and, and watch I love I love unique talent so uh like god you can't imagine what it was like to sit opposite Johnny Carson you can't imagine he heard what you didn't say. He made you funny. He, um, that was great. And the other, the, other, the other audience that I have loved is entertaining the US military. I did US shows uh, all over. And I remember walking out at Ramstein Air Force Base with 50,000 soldiers. And I brought with me a line of Hollywood girl dancers. But I walked out by myself and they're screaming, screaming, screaming. And I looked at them and I said, and the nuns in Catholic school said I'd never get to heaven. <laughs> I, uh, I'm curious, like you're, you're a great speaker and all. Like I, I'm hearing you talk right now. I'm like, man, your, your one man show seems amazing. But do you still get nervous? Like when you go out and you have to do interviews, does that like, what's your mindset? Or is that just normal to you? I used to, I don't now. Now I, I can't wait. I'm like a fighter going out into the ring. I, 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 I've, I finally know who I am and I like who I am. <clears throat> I'm not apologetic for, for who I am. I, uh, I like how my face is aging. I haven't, I've done very little, little Botox. And I mean a little. Um, I'm at a great place in my life. I'm the happiest I've ever been. I value love in my life. You know, I was in the hospital uh, 10 years ago. I was uh, poisoned and I believe I know who did it. When my books on hormones came out, um, bioidentical hormones, which I wrote about, um, are not a prescription. You have to have them prescribed by your doctor, but they're not uh, considered pharmaceutical drugs. What they had for women my age was um, a pharmaceutical synthetic hormones. And these Women's Health Initiative had done a 10-year study, which they stopped after two years, paraphrasing, women should um, take nothing at all rather than take these dangerous, harmful, and even fatal uh, so-called uh, hormones. So my, I know I had something to do with this. That, that drug that most women were automatically given at 50 years old or 45 years old uh, dropped a $20 billion a year uh, uh, drug dropped by 20%. I mean, I know I'm wrong by 72%. Um, I don't know. I was in a bar one night after my shopping shows in Canada. I don't know. Somebody put something in my drink. I know who was in yeah, the bar it, that night. I was going to say, what kind of, what kind of poison is this then? What is so it like? A I, I went into anaphylactic shock. I, um, I became so cold. I, I, I didn't know the human body could be that cold. We were flying private. So we flew home. When I got to Palm Springs, I called one of the doctors that I interviewed in my books. And he said, 
stop, you're in danger, get to the hospital right now. I go to ER and by the time I get to ER, I can't breathe. <gasps> Anaphylactic shock, you can't, you can't breathe. And the ER doc came out in a wheelchair. Why can't you breathe? Why can't you breathe? And I'm going, I don't know. So they um, did, uh, they put me on Ativan, they put me on oxygen and got me breathing. And then they did a CAT scan and, and the doctor came in and he said, I brought the nurse in with me because I hate what I have to say. And I said, what? And he said, you have cancer. I've never seen so much cancer in a human body because I had rash all over my body and in my ears and my nose, everything. And, and what it turned out, they were so wrong, but the scare that I had was so terrible. Uh, it turned out that I had been given something that I had never heard of called succinylcholine. Succinylcholine is given in surgery. If overdosed, you go into anaphylactic shock, your body uh, breaks out in a rash, your extremities swell on a CAT scan. It reads the, the, all the, 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 the swelling on your body and the marks on your body read like tumors inside your body. And that's what they thought was cancer. And um, now, do you feel like you were targeted because that seems like a really strange drug for someone to have yeah in a bar i mean this is not yeah. like a date rape drug or something right. like this is going to kill someone so do you feel you. you were targeted i do i do but i can't prove who did it so i've never be made a big deal out of it i wrote about it in my book knockout doctors yeah. who are uh, curing uh, cancer without drugs and i talked about it with larry king who was so good to me over the years i think the reason i had so many bestsellers was he would give me an hour of global time how valuable had, is that yeah we had yeah. such a wonderful conversation with him i mean adam was i mean we we had to have had one of his last interviews yeah, and it, it was, was such a you. wonderful conversation and i mean talk about a legend, legend. You know, that we we were so fortunate to have that time with him and then and then he and look you know, look at how he presented himself he had a, a costume the suspenders the the shirt the pants the uh the voice and yeah. we'll be right back or, or i'd say something goes that's a grabber and uh <laughs> he was this character and we we take characters that are unique and authentic and he was unique and authentic yep. when you were coming up in hollywood you know obviously you were you were you're you're an attractive actress you know there's you know i'm curious during that time how crazy was and i'm saying you but yes. that you saw from your colleagues and peers that like the people who weren't around like if they could understand how crazy was it going on with the casting couch situation where you know basically to get a role you had to sleep with a director or a casting agent or some someone the um my my uh route was different because um, as a teenage mother, I had to make a living. Not I made a living. I was an extra in movies in San Francisco. And then I fell in love with Alan Hamill. And the reason I went to Hollywood is because I just wanted to be with Alan Hamill. I didn't have stars in my eyes. I, I th uh, my biggest goal was, and I tried out for it right before I left for Los Angeles, I want to be a weather girl they made $300 a week and I could live a really nice life on $300 a week. And I auditioned for Weather Girl at KGO TV in San Francisco. And when I got to Los Angeles, ironically, I got the call that I had gotten the job as the Weather Girl and I had to turn it down because I had started a new life. I didn't know where I was going to go. But because I was so in love with Alan Hamill, um, I didn't, not that uh, women put out vibes, but um, I, the, I just didn't put out any vibes. I, I didn't, I did not, other than one guy who did some movies called Billy Jack, he tried to, uh, let's do the, the rape scene. <laughs> there was that, but nothing happened. Uh, I really didn't experience, I'm so glad. I, yeah. I was, I, Alan, I don't know if you've ever met him, but he's, he's uh, protective, really protective. You wouldn't mess around with him. And I think people knew well, that. I, I and, think there's a reason that you guys have had such a successful marriage for so long, right? Like that, yeah. you know, we, it's funny in Hollywood, I feel like marriages come and go so quickly and to see one that has lasted this long, uh, I mean, huge kudos to both of you yeah. and it, kudos to sharing your experience with people so that 
a lot of people out there can also go, okay, what is their key to success? Because I would like that. Suzanne, I know we're running out of time. I can't believe how fast time has <laughs> flown today. It really has, you're an amazing interview. I do want to ask you, what is your advice to someone like on just aging in general? Because I feel that you don't look at age as a negative, And I feel that age has become such a negative in the public. And I want to say, you know, with someone who is headed towards 40, what would your advice to me be? Because I feel that as I get over, I'm nervous about it, but you make it look so easy. What's your advice? Um, first of all, you're going to love being 40. With each decade, you get wiser. Wisdom is the gift. Wisdom is one thing that no young person can buy or have. Um, now in my seventh decade, if I'm 75, am I in my seventh de decade or my eighth? I never know how that works. Math yeah, is not my say, thing. I would say seventh, right? Yeah, I think seventh. I yeah. yeah, I know how the body works. I don't know how math works. That's why <laughs> I've got Alan Hamill. <laughs> and um, look at it differently. It's, it's, it's no longer frail and decrepit and out of it, unless that's, those are the choices you make. The earlier you start making good choices about your life and your thoughts, thoughts, you know, the brain believes everything you tell it. So if you, you know, tell the brain you want, you want success, you want to be happy, you see it. Like I saw, I didn't realize this, when I would hide in that closet to escape, I would, in my mind's eye, put myself on a big stage and I was a big star, even though I never was planning on doing that, but that's what I was seeing. And I'd always have my mother in the front row and she was finally proud and happy. And you know, that happened. One night I was on stage at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas and down in the front row was my mother so proud and happy. I thought, man, we can manifest anything, even if we're not in total belief at the time when we're manifesting it. So see yourself, um, what is the grandest version of the greatest vision of yourself that you could possibly have? See it and do the work along the way. See it as it's already done and do the work along the way. And the older you get, um, rather than being less, less available, unless, you're, unless your goal is to be the most beautiful woman or man on the planet, you're going to lose some of that. <laughs> but I find what I'm getting, what I may not have from when I was young, there's something, I don't know, I, I, I can still light up a room. And I think that's my essence. And I believe in myself and like myself. So with each chapter, believe in yourself, like yourself, see yourself where you want to be ultimately, and never cap it. Awesome. I love that advice. Thank you. Yeah. Adam, my you last, got a last question for her last before question we got to let her go. Suzanne, yeah. Before we yeah. Leave, my last question for you is, is there any role that you turned down that you regret that turned into a huge thing? Um, yes. Um, Michael Eisner at, um, he was at Paramount at that time. And he offered me that movie that Brett Midler ultimately, do you remember the name of that movie, Alan? Um, uh, Bette Midler starred in Fatal Attraction. No, not it was some big, huge I'll movie. Look it up. Let's see, Bette Midler. Bette Midler, seventies. I had a manager at the time, and Michael Eisner was offering me a quarter of a million for it. And at, and my manager Jay Birdstein at that time said, "You're not going to work for a quarter of a million." I'm thinking I would. Uh, and here, so he here's said, what what year was that you said? In the seventies. Um, Outrageous Fortune. Is that it? Uh, oh, she's got so many movies. Oh my god! I know, I know. Uh, I see eighty-seven. I'm I'm trying to find movies in that era. Uh, Ninety-nine, nineteen seventy. The Hawaiians. No. Ed Midler, All Red. I can't read what no. that one is. No. No. Is this. there outrageous fortune there? Do you see that? Kind of that's sticking in my craw here. Roses? War of the Roses? No, that was uh, uh, that other girl. I'm not seeing that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of stuff it, in the 80s. Not if so you see it, get to me and I'll tell you if that's the one or not. But anyway, 
it got turned down and then it turned into this huge movie. And I think she won an Oscar for it. The Rose? No, mm. no, I would not have turned down The Rose. I would have done it for free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cheap date. <laughs> awesome. Seriously, thank you. And honestly, the, the kind words you said in the beginning, just about the, the paparazzi, to hear from your side, from someone who yeah. I respect and admire, to hear like how you looked at it, because a lot of people, they're starting to have like a better perspective of it. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, I get messages all the time yeah, calling me trash. My like, guys, like we work together. Uh, so. Can I tell you uh, one thing about befriending paparazzi? During the 70s and 80s, there was a photographer's name was Ron Galella. He came to fame because of Jackie Kennedy. She said, you know, everywhere I go, he's following me and he's making my life miserable. And she sued him. But when I met Ron Galella on the paparazzi uh, red carpet, I made friends with him. So when my house burned down, I lost everything. I lost everything. All the letters that I'd gotten from presidents and and uh, major celebrities, and um, I lost all my photos. And Ron Galella sent me every single photo he ever took of me, and I got them all back. And it was just the most incredible gesture. That is such a, a wonderful story incredible. because I feel that paparazzi gets such a, a bad name so often in the media. And to hear that someone went out of their way to help you in a time that obviously was a really rough time in your life. I think that's a really cool story. So thank you for sharing that Thanks. with us. Thanks. Suzanne, I, uh, I, I appreciate your time so much. Like I, you over delivered cause I knew you'd be a great guest and, uh, and you, you exceeded my expectations. And thank it's you. also hearing what you have to say, your story, it's inspiring. And, uh, and I appreciate our audience for listening to hear your story because I haven't heard your story like this. So it's, it's so crazy and inspiring just from, a business end to a show business end to a personal end. It's uh, it's amazing. And uh, if you want to see more about Suzanne Summers, you got to go to her Instagram, SuzanneSummers.com. If you like her products, awesome. awesome. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, four o'clock. Have a drink with me. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Thank you. You are both excellent. I really enjoyed it. I love that. I mean, <laughs> I, I love... I love her, her candor and I love like her stories. We did sell a lot of product for her, I believe during this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she was wonderful. She's uh, dude. I think it's, I don't think she gets the respect or at least it's in my head because what she's done in the acting world and also the business business world, I don't know if she even gets the respect that she even does. Cause I admire her so much more now. Mm -hmm. You know, I never really knew her story. I knew her story. I thought I knew her story. Then when I actually heard her like and felt her tell her stories, like, man, this girl's a queen. Are you kidding me? And crazy successful. I didn't realize how successful her and Alan were like, I, you, know, you know, it's like the thigh master. I feel like it was a joke for a very long time. Just because it was like this beautiful woman hawking the this like thigh yeah. master. And like, we literally had one of those at my house when I was young. Sure, like, I remember did. everyone had. But to think how successful that has been, plus all of her other endeavors, like TV essentially was nothing. The fact she doesn't give it residuals from Three's Company, like that to me is wild. I mean, that shows you where the money is, but she looked at it as that as a launching thing for her career. You know, like yeah. I think everything led to the next moment, like, you know, so it's just launching to the next gig to the next gig. And it's, it's wild. And again, I, I, I say it's very inspiring people like her. Like now I look at her sort of like I looked at Joan Rivers in a way, because I found mm -hmm. Joan Rivers to be very entrepreneurial in everything she did. And she was very honest with everything she did. And again, Suzanne Summers wasn't a comedian, but she was very honest with her contracts and everything that was going on in the business end. And she was revolutionary yeah. to some extent. Um, and again, to hear her say her story is wild. And I know you were gotten erection during the interview, which was wild. It was, and it was a, at one point I had to, <laughs> I had to tuck it under my belt. And I was like, you know what? That's sometimes you just got to do that. dude. <laughs> you freak. But guys, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, uh, we have a video portion of this on YouTube. Um, check us out on TikTok. 
Twitter, Facebook, we're on it all. Um, if you like celebrity content, we have content that you cannot find anywhere else. Like if you miss the old school paparazzi videos, we have those videos. You can't find them anywhere else. Check us, uh, check our TikTok and Instagram and YouTube where you can find these videos. We search the, uh, the agency websites and get the best videos of, of the day Hollywood and we get it up quick and, and fast. Follow us on every single platform. Yes. And if you don't, if you get a chance, what we could really use is you to go to Apple or, or iTunes, search out Hollywood Raw, scroll down to the bottom of our, our show page and leave us a review. Five stars with a review. And, uh, you know, we, we try to shout everyone out at the beginning of the show. It's just a little thank you for taking that extra four seconds out of your day to leave us a review. It really means a lot to us. It's the best thing you do to support us is leave a review. And if you're into it, if you want to send fee pics to Dax, he's down for that <laughs> male or female. He's cool with it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, find me at Adam Glenn. Find Dax Holt at T-A-X-H-O-L-T. We'll see you guys next time. A Huda Media Production.